Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue with our study of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 reads, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Please listen to Pastor Harris as he explains the role of the teaching pastor in today's portion of this week's message entitled, Why Have Pastors? We are back to Ephesians chapter 4 yet again this morning. And I'm going to continue the, you might think, excruciatingly slow pace through verses 11 and 12. And then when we return to Ephesians after Christmas and New Year, we'll go much more smoothly through the remainder of this sentence, which goes from verse 11 through verse 16 and is all about what God has designed for His church, uh, the body of Christ. Last time we introduced the unity team leaders. The whole theme of this section is unity. And we only got to three of the four groups in this team. And today we're going to major on the fourth one. Verse 11 reads, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Now that might look like five, but it's actually only four. The Greek literally says some as the apostles, some as the prophets, some as the evangelists, and some as the pastors and teachers. So we're going to ask the question today, or try to answer the question, why have pastors? Now there are a lot of ideas out there about what pastors are. There are some uh, extreme positions like you would find in the, the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Churches where there is a totally different standard of uh, holiness associated with those who are, those, uh, who, who are called uh, pastors and, uh, and most often requiring uh, celibacy and super spiritual authority that they can say certain words over the elements of communion and literally transform them into the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, that's extreme. I mean, that is, that is way out there. Uh, you can't even take a running leap off the diving board of your Bible and get to where any of those things come from. But there are a lot of other ideas as well, even among uh, Protestants and evangelicals. In my very first few months as a teaching pastor, um, after I had been sent out uh, from that church where we're dispatching uh, Christian for the Christian uh, for the Christmas season, um, I had a layman take me out to lunch. And he wanted to explain to me that, as a young man, I needed to understand that God had made me the chief executive officer, the CEO 
of this spiritual corporation and that I needed to act like it. Now, there's a certain element of truth behind that. Yes, you have a responsibility of leadership, accept it and, and, and lead. And I explained to him that you know, there, there, there is no analogy between chief executive officer of a corporation and uh, an elder in the, the church of God. Maybe there's an analogy to be made, but they are two very different things. Uh, ironically, um, a few months after that, there were some things that uh, had come to light and needed to be dealt with, and I was asked if I would make my recommendations about uh, whether anybody needed to leave the church staff, and there's one member that of the church staff that I felt was not a good fit, and I said we need to prayerfully um, dismiss him and send him to a different way. And the guy who told me that I was the CEO then voted to fire me. Interesting little, you know, twist in that thing. Stuff like that happens. And now in theological circles, not far from ours, there are others who have yet another idea that uh, the pastor is like a, a higher ranking super elder. And he's in charge of all the other elders and, and everything else. And he alone determines who ought to be hired by the church for full-time ministry. And I, I think maybe the CEO guy might have come from a background like that. But no, there's not a different office for a pastor teacher compared to the other elders of the church. There's other thing, others who think kind of on the other extreme toward what we would call congregationalism. They think of the pastor as a hired hand who is responsible to give equal representation and equal emphasis and equal attention to all the desires of all of the segments of the congregation and make sure that there are no troubles. In other words, he's a divine people pleaser. And uh, you know how that works. You can't please uh, everyone. You must please God. That's the point. Now, when we come to this text and we see this fourth group, it's called here pastors and teachers. It's one office described by two terms. The best way would be to describe it would be uh, pastor teacher or teaching pastor. I think the Heritage Bible Church bylaws use the term teaching pastor. Uh, the, the term pastor, which is actually the translation of the Greek word for shepherd, that word implies feeding, caring, guidance, ruling, protecting the flock, everything that a shepherd does. The term teacher implies instruction and training. Now, as I said, the grammar of this passage makes it clear that these are two parts of one office or a two-part description of one office because there's one definite article in front of the two of them. So think of it as pastors who are teachers or teachers who are pastors. Now, here's a bit of Bible trivia for, for you. For some inexplicable reason, there is only one time in the entire New Testament in any English translation I've ever seen that the Greek word poimen, which is shepherd, is ever translated pastor. Now, what does the word pastor mean? Well, pastor is a Latin word, which means, drum roll here, shepherd, okay? 
all the other times that that word occurs, it gets translated into English as shepherd, except Ephesians 4.11, where they translate it pastors and teachers. Well, I couldn't figure out why that is. I never have figured out why that is. Remember last week I introduced you in our Bible reading to the Legacy Standard Bible, the new um, uh, update of the New American Standard 1995 edition that, that uh, is, is devoted to translating words consistently and showing as they, where they are repeated and things like that. And it just occurred to me yesterday, I was making my last pass through this sermon, I thought, I bet the Legacy Standard Bible got it right. And I went and read the Legacy Standard Bible in Ephesians 4.11, and it says, He gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. <laughs> now I have a question the first time that I'm able to pin down one of those guys that was part of that translation team at the Shepherds Conference. Why? There is no reason at all. It means shepherd. But because of that one uh, quirk of translating the Latin word in one place, we've got this whole idea. In, in the English-speaking world, you say pastor, people know what you mean. Usually someone who is supported by the church in, in full-time ministry. And it's not far off from what's here, but I will never understand that. So the biblical description is that there is, among the leadership of the local church, one, or there could be more than one, one of a group of elders in the local church described as teaching pastor or pastor teacher. Now, to understand what Paul meant here, he was writing to the church at Ephesus, right? He'd spent a long time in Ephesus. This is his most, um, Ephesians is the, the place, Ephesians 4 specifically is the place he goes most in depth about the the um, ecclesiology, the, the way that the church is supposed, to, is supposed to work. We want to understand what he had in mind when he wrote pastors and teachers. Well, to do that, we need to take a side trip to something that he wrote later. Not terribly long after this, but a few years after this. He wrote a personal letter to the man who was serving as the teaching pastor of the church at Ephesus. So we know that this is what he had in mind for how he expected that church to run. So a lot of what we're going to talk about in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 today comes from this passage, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. And here he's helping Timothy, young Timothy, who um, may have had somebody come and tell him he's the CEO or whatever else they might have done. Paul's helping him out giving him some things to bolster his understanding of the ministry. He'd left him there to, um, to <laughs> identify and remove some people who were teaching some strange doctrine, and he wanted uh, Timothy to build the right kind of leadership to, uh, to, to be around him. So he wrote this to him, 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the Scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. You'll find that in Leviticus, I believe. And the laborer is worthy of his wages. And that's a quote from Jesus. So this passage identifies some of the elders who are 
meant to be supported by the congregation. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.